another week, another episode. Hello. Who are you? Do you feel that you know me? If you've been listening since the beginning, you've spent 25 episodes with me. That's a long time with someone. I have no idea who you are, though. What a shame. Or perhaps, what a delicious mystery. It's been almost a month since I've been traveling on my own again. Since my focus is turned back to you and to your kind, where it belongs. From from someone else. I have a new home. I can't tell you much about it. It's just fine. It is better than a cold and dirty cellar. It is better than a cheap motel with blackout curtains. But so far it doesn't feel quite like a home. Not just yet. But I may be able to stay here for a while. It's nice being in a secret place, you see. In a place where, since no one knows I'm here, no one would care to enter. Dare to enter. It's not a pleasant place for most, but it's pleasant for me. What are cobwebs and dust and things that go bump in the night to someone like me? They are welcoming and forgiving. Nurturing, almost. I feel safe. I feel... understood and protected when I'm among other things that are ancient and forgotten and frightening. This could be home. Perhaps. Living with someone was hell on earth at times. With... with the stranger who I reconnected with. He reintroduced me to my greatest vices. He reminded me of my darkest fears and my most persistent weaknesses. I felt insignificant and powerless and important and omnipotent, all at the same time. And I had someone, someone who was death and destruction incarnate, but someone. I'm obsessed with the sound of flapping wings, with the sight of feathers both black and white. I can't forget the new fear I have of three incredibly beautiful and powerful beings, perhaps one day deciding that my long life has run its course. And I can't forget the one beautiful and powerful being who defied them to have me. I digress. Perhaps you have no idea what I'm talking about. Perhaps you're a new listener, in which case, don't worry. Don't worry about it. He's gone, and it doesn't matter anymore. It's just you and I, and a story about a girl and a garden. 
Once there was a little girl who lived in a large, beautiful home with her loving parents. She had everything anyone could ask for. Her family was wealthy, and her parents lavished both affection and material gifts on her. And yet she wasn't spoiled. She was a good, kind, innocent girl, with a vivid imagination and a healthy sense of play. Yet her parents were often busy, and her tutors were too strict, and she found herself to be her only real playfellow. Her curious mind found her wandering around her large home quite often. She had played too much in the nursery and grew bored of it. She knew the library inside and out. The classroom was nothing new, the dining room was boring. And so she took her search outdoors, determined to inspect every nook and cranny of the property for somewhere new and exciting to play. She found the garden that the servants kept. She knew it well. She went through the simple and easy hedge maze. She even grew tired of the modest cemetery the estate boasted. But in the cemetery she did find a thicket of bushes with ripe and sweet berries. As she went over to pick them, she saw something glinting through the thicket. Crawling on her hands and knees, she squeezed her way through the shrubs under a broken old gate and into a secret, fenced-off area. It was a garden. A new garden. Or, to be clear, a very old garden, but one she had never seen before. There were wild weeds growing everywhere, climbing over beautiful statues and fountains that had long been out of use. If this was here before her family had purchased the estate, she was sure no one knew of it. It hadn't been tended to in what must have been decades at least. A natural creek ran through it, feeding the wild flowers and plants and birds and rodents that lived there. Spores had erupted from some of the plants and they calmly floated in the air, just hanging there and not falling nor flying away, as if time had somehow stopped in this beautiful garden. The air was still, and the place seemed to be alive with the music of the water, the creatures, and the very earth beneath her feet. How breathtaking. How wonderful. And no one knew about it. This place was all hers. Her secret garden. She returned every day for a few weeks in a row. She would tend to the garden, giving certain beautiful flowers room to grow, bringing bird seed and crumbs and honey for the birds and squirrels and chipmunks and butterflies. She would sing little songs when she was there. She would dance. She would recite her favorite poems. This was her own place. One day while she was there, just calmly humming to herself and playing with a doll in the garden, she heard a strange voice behind her. It was small, so quiet, but distinctly it said to her, Have you brought us anything today? And she turned, and she saw something she almost couldn't believe, but because she was a child, she could believe. Hovering in front of her, 
its wings moving as fast as a hummingbird's, was a little fairy. It had the beautiful blue wings of the rarest butterfly and long, slender arms and legs. Its face was insect-like with large black eyes and a small mouth and no nose to be seen. But it smiled at her and waited expectantly for an answer. I brought honey for the butterflies again, she began. Good, thank you, the fairy beamed. We like when you play here. We wish you could be here more. She giggled as the fairy flew around her, playing with her hair, tugging at her sleeves, buzzing at her ears. I come every day. I can stay longer sometimes. And the fairy nodded enthusiastically. More. Play more. Stay longer. And then it put a tiny hand up to its mouth, as if sharing a secret. And it whispered, He likes it when you're here. The little girl arched her brow. Who? The fairy gestured towards a cluster of shrubs and trees, somewhat in the distance from them. There appeared, at first, to be nothing, until there was a little rustle of movement, and what looked like something as large as a man shuffling through the leaves. It left. He cares for us here, the fairy said, and a few other fairies flew up and out of the flower bed. He is our king. 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 The little girl was frightened. I'm not sure I want to meet him, she said quietly. The fairies all giggled, and the one said, Come back tomorrow, and the day after, and the day after that. And she did. She played. She brought them sweets, this time bringing pastries and cakes and even small pieces of jewelry, little trinkets no one would notice were gone. And the fairy folk loved them. He will be so pleased, they would say of their mysterious king, of whom the little girl would only see shadows and glimpses of among the distant trees. Years passed like this, and the girl grew, but she continued to play in the garden. Eventually, they grew more daring. Will you come with us? Don't go back inside. Come with us. Meet our king, our, our king. king. She would shake her head and insist that she must get going home. And they kept persisting. He will be angry if you keep refusing him. Won't you come and see him? Stay with us. What is there for you back at the house? She soon stopped bringing trinkets and sweets for them. She would bring books and she would ignore them. When they pestered her, she would hiss at them. Go away. No one believes in you but me. I'm not going with you. My place is here. Leave me alone. And they would growl or weep or retreat or pluck her jewelry from her neck out of force or spite. And she would come visit less and less. And the fairies grew restless. And, though she couldn't see it, the king in the woods was coming closer and closer. But it was no use, for you see, the girl grew older, and she one day left her home to see the world. She forgot about the fairies. Perhaps she wanted to forget about the fairies. 
the spiteful, angry, strange, and demanding fairies that were offended she wouldn't live with them and leave her life behind. She liked her life. The garden was beautiful, but she wanted a career, a family, and so she abandoned it to go and study, to meet new friends and loves, to work, to create, to try things. Eventually, she did meet the love of her life, and he meant more to her than all the gardens and all the flowers and all the magical creatures in the world. And they traveled the world together, and they were married, and she was divinely happy, living in the real world, seeing real beautiful things with this real and beautiful man. Until, one day, she would learn that her parents' old estate, the one from her childhood, the distant memory that had faded and wilted in her mind over time, was left to her as her inheritance. The beautiful, huge, and cursed place was hers, and she had to go back. Her husband was excited to see the place, excited at the possibilities. Would they live there? Would they sell it? It meant a bright and exciting future for them to him, and he couldn't understand why she seemed so hesitant, so sad, so afraid to go back. When they arrived, she was all business. We must have someone come and clean the place up. We must have the place appraised. We will stay here until we can sell it, we can host events, do whatever is necessary to ensure that that happens but we will not stay here for too long. She was adamant, and her husband dared not express how enchanting he found the home, how splendid it was, and how absolutely fortunate they could be to live in such a beautiful mansion. And secretly, she told the caretakers that the garden must be shut up, the gate must be locked, the fence even boarded up, perhaps. No one must go in and out, and no one else must know about it. A week passed happily enough. The two of them spent time in the old nursery, in the library, in the classroom, in the dining room. They strolled through the servant's garden, through the easy hedge maze, and among the modest cemetery. They slept in the master bedroom, and when her husband asked her why they couldn't stay here, she simply replied, There are phantoms here that I want to forget. That's all and he asked her no more about it. He trusted her, and she loved him for it. She loved him for many things. One morning, however, she awoke quite early. The first sign of dawn was creeping in, the sky a dark gray, the fog from the forest unnaturally thick over her property. It had even spilled into their bedroom. She sat up and she saw that her husband was not with her. And the bedroom door was open. Just dimly, just barely, she could see him standing at the end of the hallway through the door. Just his silhouette. And she could swear that she saw three little figures flying around him, their wings as quick as those of a hummingbird's. No, she whispered and then shouted to him, Don't go with them. But he seemed to not be able to hear her. He seemed to be listening to the little creatures whispering in his ear. 
and he descended the stairs. She quickly got out of bed, not even noticing the freezing cold of the air on her skin. She followed them, and he seemed to move quicker than usual with the aid of the tiny, winged things. Oh God, they were taking him to the garden. She followed as quick as she could, though it was hard because he didn't seem to need light to find his way with his guides, and she had to stumble through the shadows. She lost sight of him, but she knew where they were going. She went to the garden. The wood that had been used to board up the fence was shattered, and she had to move carefully through it so as not to cut herself. The dim light of the morning sun streaked across the excessive fog in the garden, glinting off the babbling creek. And there, in the middle of it, by himself, stood her love. And at his feet were several of the little trinkets and jewels she had given to the fairies when she was a child. Please, she whispered to him, extending her hand. We have to go back inside. But she froze in place when, from behind him, a long, sinewy arm reached slowly around his chest and dug its black, rotted claws into his flesh. And another one came and wrapped around him, and a huge black crown of antlers appeared behind him. No. Belonged to what she now knew was the king of the fairies. It sat on the head of a creature with sunken features and receding lips, revealing glowing yellow eyes and black, wretched teeth. It sneered at her as it clasped her husband close. He looked at her with confusion and pain. What's happening? He whispered, as if not quite sure if he was still asleep. She thought for a quick moment. What did it want? What could she offer that would replace a human life as beautiful and innocent as her love's? What could she possibly give? And suddenly, it dawned on her. She lunged at the two figures, toppling them to the ground. Her husband managed to push himself away, clasping at his bleeding chest and gasping for air, as if waking from a nightmare. But it wasn't a nightmare. And, as the brightness of the dawn came in and shone a golden hue over everything around them, he looked up and he saw his wife staring up at the eyes of a gaunt, demonic figure with a crown on his head. The creature king reached a gnarled hand at her throat and sneered until she stopped him. I have a tribute for you, my king, one you've been wanting for a long, long time. And the three fairies flew up and danced around her. Our king, our king, our king, our king, our king. Our king. And she turned to her husband, tears in her eyes, and whispered, I'm sorry. And the king's yellow eyes burned even brighter as his horrible lips curled into a skull-like smile. And with a roar quicker than a flash, he wrapped her in his arms and they were sucked into the forest. 
And that was that. She was gone. To where, who knows? But with the fairy king finally winning his long-coveted prize, the garden was empty from that day forward. And yet the husband, who had lived in the house ever since that day, spent every day out in that garden, sometimes bringing treats and trinkets and tribute. And he would wait. And wait. And wait. I hadn't the heart to tell him when I visited him at his home and saw the garden with my own eyes, that I couldn't detect a trace of anyone or anything even remotely close. But what do I know? Am I not a fairy of some sort? A strange, frightening creature that your kind doesn't understand? He was so excited to meet me, so excited at my presence, at the presence of something different, something else in the garden. And who am I to say? Perhaps one day she may return. We have to hold on to these things. We have to keep believing, keep trying. We must. Are you there, beloved? Are you out there listening? Are you still with me? Hi there, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to episode 26 of On a Dark Cold Night. I hope you enjoyed this week's story. I have to give a big shout out this week to a really good friend of mine, Bill Antonio. Bill has two podcasts, one that I've appeared on a few times talking about some of my favorite movies. That podcast is called My Criterions. And the other, Bad Gay Movies, Bitchy Gay Men, which he co-hosts with two other awesome guys, Michael Szilard and Daniel Krolik. Last week, Bad Gay Movies celebrated their fifth anniversary. Congratulations, you guys. And Bill was so sweet and recommended this podcast on his show. He said some really beautiful and wonderful things. So, Bill, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you're looking, uh, you the listener, if you're looking for some film podcasts and you want to hear the opinion of one of the smartest, funniest, most eloquent cinephiles out there, please check out Bad Gay Movies, Bitchy Gay Men, and My Criterions. Bill, you're a sweetheart and a warrior, and I love you. On that note, if you enjoy the show, please leave me a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Podknife, or anywhere else you can. Also, you can tweet me at a dark cold night. Follow me on Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, or like my Facebook group. Word of mouth is so very helpful, especially at this stage of the game where I'm not really in a position to pay for advertising. Uh, every recommendation is so worthwhile and wonderful. If you have any questions or thoughts you want to share, you can also email me at darkcoldnightpodcast at gmail.com. You might just hear your review, tweet, Instagram, or Facebook post, or email read out on air in a shout out. So that's something. 
If you want to help the show, uh, download Radio Public and listen to us on their app. Every listen through Radio Public means your podcast are getting paid for their hard work. So it will be very much appreciated. To help out in other ways and get a lovely shout out on here as well, you can check us out on coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkgoldnight or on Patreon at patreon.com slash darkgoldnight. Every little bit helps. If you want to buy me a coffee or two on coffee or donate a little bit per month on Patreon, it would really go a long way towards me improving the sound quality and being able to devote more time to this rather engrossing endeavor I've set out on. Uh, thanks so much for listening to me talk about this every week. <laughs> uh, well, folks, that is it for me tonight. Thank you again for hanging out with me. Have a great night and sleep well. <laughs>